Welcome to the Sad Python Girls Club podcast. I am your host, Dawn Wages. And I am your co-host, Luciana. Let's get started. Hello, you've reached the Sad Python Girls Club podcast. It is February and I am Dawn Wages. Hey, Luciana. Hey, Dawn, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I want to normalize being okay and good enough, you know? <laughs> I I appreciate it. January was a very long month for me. Um, but a bright spot is we have an excellent guest today that you've connected us with. Well, I mean, I, we're all friends. I'm so excited. It's going to be a really great episode. I am very, very excited as well. And we have here with us, well, someone that we did mention in the first episode of this season. And she's here. Yay, Eleanor Boyd. How are you? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Eleanor. <laughs> the honor is truly all ours. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit to our lovely listeners? Yes, definitely. Um, so I'm a coworker with Luciana. I work on the Python for VS Code extension, one of the best teams ever, if I if I can say so myself. And I joined uh, about a year and a half ago at this point, and I work on testing, which is the topic of today's episode. Before I started full time, I was an intern. So that was uh, really fun as well. And I'm based out of Redmond. So I have a great time going into the, to the office as well. You've done so much in your year and a half tenure. I think I forget <laughs> that you've only been here for a year and a half and how much you've kicked butt. Thank so you. I'm excited for you to get braggadocious on this episode. I hope so. <laughs> and if you're not telling yourself enough, I will chime in to sing your praises <laughs> because you've been so cool. And I'm lucky enough to be on a sibling team where I get to see the work product and then sing the praises of the VS Code team. Um, so I've been shouting out Eleanor's work, even if Eleanor's name's not always attached to it. So I'm excited to attach your name to some cool stuff today. I appreciate it so much. I think one of the things, the mentorship on, on our team is incredible. And I couldn't do it without my wonderful mentor, Karthik Nadig, who has been on the podcast, Brad Cannon, my boss. Um, so it's a it's a team effort. You can you can do cool things when you have really smart people around you. Oh my god, I would love to pause on that too. You can definitely do cool things when you have smart people around you. That's all <laughs> <that's laughs> that one. <laughs> that's very true, and I completely agree with you that this is the best team ever. I mean, very biased because I am part of the team as well. <laughs> but I do want to call out that you are a huge part of why it's so great. You not only you are brilliant and very very smart and very competent at your work you're also bringing such a positive energy to the team so i want to stick that moment to also appreciate that thank you <laughs> but speaking <laughs> of your work on testing um so when you joined the team one year and a half ago how was the testing state then like the features that we offer like i remember all i can actually remember is that we had tons and tons and tons of bugs in our repo <laughs> i think notoriously had been the area with most bugs that we had <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, so when when I joined, we were kind of in already in this process of the rewrite. So before the rewrite, 
we had testing implementation, which was done from a technical perspective. It was done by reading the output pretty much that came back from PyTest or unit test. So um, we would read standard, standard out, standard error, and from there be able to return values to the user. And so what, what we're trying to offer the user in addition to just, you know, you can look at all of these things in the command line in the output, we're trying to offer is, you know, that better UI to make their experience better, to make coding easier and all of those things. So when you talk about testing in, in VS Code, we have a, a wonderful little beaker icon that shows up, pulls out the uh, test explorer. That's where most of the magic happens. From there, you can configure your tests, run test discovery, and then you'll get this nice little tree view similar to maybe a file explorer where you can click through all your tests. From there, you can run specific ones, run all of them, all of that jazz, and you get a nice result panel, which you can look through everything and click on specific tests that fail and see the output and all of those wonderful things. So all of that support and how that looks is consistent from before the rewrite that I've done to after the rewrite. So we're delivering a similar experience to the user. And so if you're a user of the extension, you might not notice that big of a change during this rewrite. But what the rewrite brought was it reduced this brittleness that we really experienced with the previous design before there was a lot of constraints because reading output can be really finicky depending on what, if anyone makes changes to the output, we know users love to change what they're seeing, how much information is being produced. And that then impacted our ability to read the output and deliver the UI that we want to. Um, and so you might not see a big change, but we're talking about a huge change from behind the scenes, and that will enable us to do big things moving forward. That's so exciting. So it sounds like there was a lot of features that are rolled up into that. How did prioritization um, kind of work out when you're doing these features? And then how does the release schedule work typically with VS Code? I know our listeners who are probably VS Code fans know that we have monthly releases, but how did that work with your workload and this testing um, deliverables? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so in terms of the release, we yeah release monthly, as you talked about, our VS Code Insiders is released nightly. And those users are so useful to us to help us figure out bugs before we send it out to that general public on our stable release. Um, and I think what's most important with testing is the design of our rollout. And so as we began to introduce these features, we're talking about a huge overhaul of one of our core features of the Python extension and something that people rely on. And so we didn't want any support to be lost during the transition period. So we rolled it out under an experiment. Um, I'm sure you guys have talked about experiments before on this podcast. Luciana is the experiment queen. Um, but yeah, under experiments, we are able to do a controlled rollout. So we started with 25% of users on insiders and saw how it went and were able to continue to iterate. And so people, more and more people got included in those who were on the rewrite 
Um, but there was always an option to turn it off if anything went wrong. And if a user was not, their config wasn't working. So slowly we built all the way up. We're now at 100% of insiders and stable. And so we're seeing a, a lot of success there. Hopefully we'll turn off the experiment, go full on the rewrite soon. Just a few more bugs to make sure it uh, looks wonderful for our users. That's fantastic. Yeah, I really like the approach of control rollouts is really a way to avoid just shipping it all to everyone and breaking everyone all at once. Because, of course, that would lead to a lot of a huge amount of <laughs> issues. And that would be so hard to triage, understand and even address and figure out which one is more important. Right. So by really controlling, like how many people were exposed to that, they're able to find uh, what are the issues that some specific people are having. Uh, I think there was even once uh, that we did expose it to 50%, I think, Eleanor, right? Yeah. And they were like, oops, <laughs> too, too many, many issues. Uh, let's roll back to 25% and then we will try to address these issues very much in a less overwhelming way. Yeah. But it's still, it all felt uh, a little bit overwhelming, at least from an outsider perspective, because again, we were hundreds probably, yeah, it was really hundreds of issues related to testing that were all assigned to you. And even with the rewrite, you had to go and see like, are these issues still applicable? Have them be fixed or not? How, how did you approach all of that? Yeah, definitely. Um, the issues, I wish I remember the exact number I started with, but yeah, like probably around 200. Um, I think I'm down to like 83 now. And I was like super pumped. Yeah, uh, we just finished some, you know, cleanup in December, uh, and that was the number that that came out of it. Yeah, the approach was the approach was hard because it was all about figuring out prioritization in terms of which bugs I could fix immediately with the rewrite, rewrite and which ones are going to continue to exist post rewrite. So for us, we wanted to reach feature parity before we rolled out the experiment. So our goal was to deliver the same experience pre and post rewrite. And so that was one of the ways we chose what I worked on because there were so many issues that I could have worked on. So our first priority was reaching the feature parity and making sure it looked exactly the same, functioned exactly the same, all of that jazz. I think the second one was there are like a few things about the old testing that was unique, one might say, like maybe not working how you expect it to look. So figuring out those, because those were, you know, based on technical constraints that came from our previous design. So figuring out which ones are like, okay, those are kind of like easy wins we get along the way. And then it was determining what bugs still exist and what feature areas are, are still really relevant. So, you know, I would go through and with the wonderful help of our users, you know, this is not a solo task. This, this took a village for sure um, in that it is really useful to have users trying it on them, their own repos, seeing how it works, giving feedback. So a lot of times, you know, it'd be, it'd be posting in, in issues that have been open for a while and, and just being like, hi, we've done this rewrite. I think it's going to solve this issue. If you could take a look, if you're kind of still struggling with this, we'd love it. And so there were some users that, you know, came back and were still engaged on an issue they might have filed a long time ago and, and they helped debug, test and figure out where we were. And then on some other issues, it was, okay, this is something I can recreate and figure out what stage we're at. 
So those were kind of like the three pieces we looked for. And I guess the fourth final one is moving towards the future. What what does this rewrite now enable us to do? And I think sitting here with Dawn, one of the most important one of, ones of those is our Django testing support. So this is an issue that uh, Luciana might know the date better, but years it has been in our repo. It is like the oldest issue. It has like 200 upvotes. It's like the most popular issue on our repo. And it really, it wasn't possible before when we had our design. But now with the rewrite, it's finally a possibility. I was able to work with um, one of the users to put together, you know, like a minimal little project just to demonstrate its feasibility and got it working. And so we're really, really excited about that because now we can put on our plan, you know, not making any promises on timelines because, you know, (laughs) don't want to do that. But we can now think about solving that issue. And so it was wonderful to talk with Dawn about it before DjangoCon. We had a nice conversation. She's given me great feedback in terms of uh, the perspective from the Django user. So I just, I can't wait for that to deliver something that the Django community has wanted for a while and to do so with people who are involved in the Django community. That is going to be a highlight for me. I'm really excited. Yay! Oh my gosh, every time someone says Django, I'm like, boom, <laughs> I'm up, what's up? This is great. Um, yay, I'm, I'm so thrilled. I've It's been really cool to see your interactions um, with the community and how connected you all are. And I encourage people I meet and I get to like, I get to represent one of the coolest products and coolest teams on the planet because you, you all really value those insights and delivering on those. So I appreciate that. And I tell everybody to like, get on the GitHub because that's where all the conversation and cool stuffs are happening. So follow the issues, check in, real people are following up on your, on your um, desires. So that's really great. Um, you talked about it a little bit. I wonder if this is your answer, but what is, what is the thing that you're most proud of? Or maybe even like, the, what was the hardest thing that you had to overcome? Maybe the Jenga sport, maybe a new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know it, maybe in six months when you ask me again, it will be Django support because I've only touched, you know, kind of the tip of the iceberg on uh, what that technical implementation looks like for that. I think I, I'll, I'll talk about large repos because I think that was something that I uh, was definitely really hard for me. But to give some context, talking a little bit about how the, how the design works. Um, so, you know, this was a whole team effort. The person who started it was Kim Adeline, the wonderful previous co-host of this podcast. So she started it and she did a lot of this stuff um, on the TypeScript extension side. And then our current team member, former intern, Anthony, who's also been on the podcast, you you have so many celebrities, um, he did unit test support. And then I came in at the end to do PyTest and to, you know, wrap up all the finishing changes, work on the release, figure out next steps. So, you know, when I first started, it was it was making PyTest support. And how PyTest works in the new rewrite is what we wanted to replicate the behavior as similar to how PyTest works as possible. And we wanted to make sure we're doing it the best way possible. So before I came, we had a conversation with the PyTest team about the best design and we decided on a plugin. So PyTest has this great design where you can have a plugin that just attaches into the process 
and is able to use these things that are called hooks, which are just events. And from there, execute different things on events and using all of the API that PyTest created. So what we decided was let's do a PyTest plugin with the purpose of taking the data that uh, PyTest has generated, the tests, all of that, constructing the discovery tree, all of these objects, and then creating this payload that we can then return to the extension that is parsed and then display to the user. So no use of the output anymore. That is totally the users. We're not touching it. Now, instead, we have our new line of communication between this subprocess, the PyTest that we spin up and run, and the extension, which is going to display the information to the user. So that was a really big change for us um, and included my favorites, sockets. Now we're switching to named pipes. That has been fun. I never did any of that in school. So that has been an amazing learning process. But I think the idea of really large repos was something that when I first came in, I did not understand how that would impact our design and the the testing flow as it was. So I was like finishing up, feeling really good about everything. And Brett comes in and he's like, well, you have, you should try it with, you know, a really big repo. Um, I'm forgetting which one he suggested now, but it was maybe the packaging repo for Python had a ton of PyTests. So he was like, that's a great one. Like you gotta, you know, you have the small use case. Now you gotta see if it can like handle the big stuff. So um, I ran it and it completely didn't work. <laughs> and so obviously I was like, oh gosh, okay, this isn't good. So I think there was a section in time it did kind of work, but then we made some even more design changes to make it even better for the future and it didn't work. So what ended up, it ended up coming down to was, you know, we have this thing called dynamic run, which is also something we were able to introduce with this rewrite, which is that every time a test finished, we send back the response. So, you know, that like terrible experience when you're like sitting, waiting for all your tests to finish and you like, don't know what's happening. And then they all fail and you're like, Oh, that was no fun. This is kind of our fix for that. So we return data um, piecemeal and as tests finish. So that was the problem with gigantic repos is returning them one by one. We were having so many communication pieces coming from the sub process to our main process. That was challenging. The When we did discovery, you talk about just a massive amount of data that exceeds how much information could be sent over a socket for a single message. So it was figuring out, is the message done? Have we gotten all the tests? Are we ready to finish, you know, run or discovery from, from the perspective of the user? Or is there more things that need to be, need to be gotten? Um, And so that was definitely the most challenging part was, okay, knowing that, Sockets work how they do. Communication is what it is. How do we make sure we're getting everything we need? And that was a lot of stuff I hadn't done before. So it was really cool to work on. And what was the solution? I'm so curious. <laughs> um, we moved to end of transmission tokens. So this was one big piece was, so after everything finished, um, once PyTest was like, okay, I'm done. Uh, it sends an end of transmission token. So we wait for that before we finish our run. 
And so that's what one of the events we're listening for. The other one was just, you have to, you know, we use JSON RPC for the communication. And so you have to figure out if you have, what's nice is the the payload, you know, that information we're sending, it, it has a string length that will tell us how long, how long it is. And so if we didn't get, you know, a string, the piece of data equal to how long it told us it was going to be, obviously that's a problem. So it was about storing it, concatenating it with the next one that came in and going from there. So those are kind of like the two solutions there. That's amazing. And uh, you touched on a few of the things that this rewrite has already enabled, right? So dynamic runs is one of them. It's also way more resilient to errors, right? And is it because you're no longer parsing the output or what was the change that really enabled that? Yeah, yeah. So no longer parsing the output um, really helps. So if you think about something during discovery, something going wrong before the whole sub process could potentially quit or, you know, PyTest would be like, I can't find anything else. But in that process, it, it discovers some intermediate tests along the way. So we were able to do it. So, you know, if it if a test is configured wrong, if there is an d- issue with discovery, all the other files are able to be discovered. So instead of, you know, if you make one syntax error in a file deep in this huge repo, you can still discover all your other files. You can still run tests, that type of thing. And just that file will have the, have the issue and have the error. Um, and that was that was really big. It it is so much nicer, especially for people who are making lots of changes, who have really big repos, to be able to more dynamically decide how discovery works and work with their work with their code. Wow, that's really exciting. That's and I could listen to you all day on some of these solutions that you've got. It's just very, very cool. And I love how you give props to the rest of the team um, as you're developing things, but you just sound so impressive, Eleanor. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> now there's some features on test coverage coming or how, how did that um, affect test coverage? Yeah, definitely. So testing coverage um, is really amazing. And one of the reasons we're working on it now is because of some changes made on the core side. So before testing coverage wasn't even a possibility for Python because it wasn't enabled at the VS Code level. So kind of how our structure works, which is which is awesome, is VS Code creates this testing API that enables all these different features, like the run button, you know, that comes from the UI. Once you click the run button, the API sends that run request to the specific extension that's listening. So that would be the Python extension. So everything we do is really deeply tied into what is possible on core, um, the core VS code side. So I've had the pleasure of working with Connor Pete, who does testing on the core side, and we've collaborated on a, a number of things, but testing is one of the things he has just implemented. He just created a test coverage API for VS code. Um, and this is now making test coverage possible in VS code. So Obviously, with this new feature enabled, we had to jump on it for Python. Python already has coverage libraries for both PyTest and UnitTest, pytest.cove or um, coverage.py. And so once that enablement came in upstream, we were able to think about implementing it for ourselves. So 
it's still very much in the works. <laughs> um, this has been the the first first month that I've been working on it. Um, really enjoyed working with Connor more closely on what that API looks like and giving it a try as an extension author. And also enjoyed getting to talk with a new part of the community. I've really loved my work with the PyTest community. And now I get to go over and talk with the coverage community. So um, connected with Ned Battinger, who did coverage.py. already got some great advice for him. And so we're looking at at creating a great coverage experience. So you got to stay up to date on our release notes. You can watch the progress there. That is fantastic. I am looking forward to so many of these new features, all thanks to your work and also Anthony's and Kimadeline's work. So also appreciate their contribution to this whole journey. I think like uh, it's been a long journey indeed because it started 2021. Is that correct, Eleanor? Yeah, I think summer 2021. Yeah. So it's amazing that we are almost there, the finish line. Soon enough, we'll be removing all the old code from the code base. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to all of these things. And this is a very happy note. Uh, however, life is not all about happiness. Unfortunately, we do have sad moments. And I'm very curious, Eleanor, what kind of songs do you like to listen? Or what is the exact song that you like to listen when you are feeling those blues? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I when I am debugging something and it's not working, you know, I need that that music to help me go. Um, I really like Stick Season by Noah Khan. Uh, it's a whole album, actually. Would highly suggest. I'm going to his concert actually in the in the summer. He's having one. Well, I've already been to one of his concerts, but he's having it at the Gorge, which um, for Don, who's not a Washingtonian. Um, or I don't know, maybe you know about it, Louisiana or not Pacific Northwest. Okay. Um, it's a concert venue out in Washington. That's like this gorgeous, it's like along the uh, Columbia river and like, it has all these like, gorgeous rocks. It's kind of like, it's like our version of red rocks. So I'm like literally so excited. I can't wait for it. Um, but yeah, listen to stick season. Pretty awesome. I've been to the red rocks. It was Excellent. I saw Dreamville at the Red Rocks, but now I have another thing to add to my list when I visit Seattle. Uh, this may be a little controversial with given where we work, but I, I'm one of those people that thinks Seattle's just a little overrated. Oh. Like, oh. Okay, I don't, we'll, we'll cut that from the episode. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, when I come and visit, I'll see you, which is absolutely not as overrated, and then we'll, we'll, see a co we'll see a concert or something, I guess. Yeah, I will show you the Seattle that is not overrated. Um, I love Seattle. So right now it is being a little, it hasn't showed sun in a minute, which is not too exciting. But Luciana is experiencing the same thing in Vancouver. So that's not Seattle's fault. Okay, that's fair. And now, okay, so then I've, I've thrown down the gauntlet and now I'm going to get an excellent tour of Seattle and yeah. I'll come out and change person when I, at the end of my visit. That's a <laughs> challenge. Yeah, I'm ready. I, li I like a challenge. Next time that we're there, Eleanor, you'll be our tour guide. I'm, I really like Seattle, but I will say if it's not overrated, it is overpriced. But that also coming from Vancouver, so <laughs> who am I to judge? <laughs> I, will, I will take overpriced. That is, that is something I will take from you. And I think Vancouver, I, the food in Vancouver is really good. So although I think Seattle food is good, 
I will give that to Vancouver. I I think I will plus one all that you said. And uh, what is the kind? What is your favorite ice cream flavor uh, to eat when you're listening to your favorite sad song? Oh yes, um, I'm a Ben and Jerry's girl. Um, I'm originally from the Northeast, so I gotta stick by my Ben and Jerry's. So I will p- take pretty much any flavor. Um, maybe peanut butter cup to keep it classy. Um, but yeah, Ben and Jerry's for the win. Ben and Jerry's is excellent. I live in the Northeast, but I'm from the Southeast. Um, but Ben and Jerry's is excellent. Excellent, excellent choice. That is a great choice. I was thinking you were going to say Molly Moon since you know you are there in Seattle. But yes, the other option is uh, Atlanta, where I went to school. Really liked Jenny's. So there, there are some really good, good options. But I'm gonna have to go with the with the classic. I love your choice. Well, thank you so much, Eleanor, for joining us for this episode. Thank you so much, Don, for co-hosting it with me again. It's been a blast. It's a novelty still, episode two. I'm having such a blast. I'm really excited. And all the lovely names that have come on this podcast before me, I'm just so excited to be here. And thank you, Eleanor. Thank you for uh, another being a wonderful guest. Yes, I had such a good time. I um, have always admired the podcast, so I was so excited to hear uh, uh, an opportunity to guest. So thank you so much for, for hosting. I, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of the Sad Python Girls Club podcast. 